Hello and welcome to the January 2022 episode of The Seagull. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs, and I'll get you ready and up to speed on what's going on here in the wing. Welcome to the future. The year is 2022, and oh, what's that? Is that a flying car? Seriously, I love those. It's about time. Okay, the gig is up. No flying cars this year. Been waiting patiently since 2000 for those things. So what's really new in 2022? In this month's Seagull, we've got five questions with our very own public health office as they answer some of the most popular questions relating to the pandemic. They've been working incredibly hard for the last two years since this whole thing's been going on, so please give that a listen. We talk boosters, symptoms, and COVID testing. Also, we hear from the entire Airmen and Family Readiness team as they talk about the great things that they do for our Airmen and families. We also get a bit of history on Dr. Martin Luther King, the celebration of his birth and a call for giving back during a National Day of Service in his name occurs this month. After all that, we get a quick teaser from this month's Chevron's podcast. But starting us off in this month's command message, Colonel Nicole Ivers, commander of the 102nd Mission Support Group, has a great message for getting your new year started on the right foot. Happy New Year. I'm Colonel Nicole Ivers with this month's command message. For the past two years, we have been continuing the fight with the pandemic and the battle continues. This year, let's focus on the present. This year, let's make 22 all about what really matters to you. Many people make New Year's resolutions every year only not to stay true to them. Last year, the most popular resolutions were exercising more in improving fitness, losing weight, saving money, and improving their diet. Some did not keep their resolutions because their goals were unrealistic. Others didn't keep track of their progress, and some even forgot about their resolution or made too many to fully commit. I say focus on the present, the here and now. Be mindful of what is happening at this very moment in your life, in the lives of those around you, and also what is going on in your community. In 1994, Congress designated the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday as a national day of service. On the third Monday of each January, the Martin Luther King Day of Service is not only a federal holiday, but it is a national day of service, a day on, not a day off. It is a day to take time with family, but also to spend some time in giving back to your community to step up as a citizen of this proud nation and to contribute to the greater good. January just so happens to be the National Blood Donor Month. One way to give back is to save lives. A blood donation takes about an hour from start to finish, but the actual donation itself only takes between eight and 10 minutes. A commitment of just an hour of your time can save as many as three people you can download the American Red Cross Blood Donor app or go to redcrossblood.org to find a donor uh, drive near you. There are other ways to volunteer through the American Red Cross. You can also volunteer to install free smoke alarms as part of the Sound the Alarm events. 
the Home Fire Campaign saves lives by installing free smoke alarms in homes that don't have them and by educating people about home fire safety. The American Red Cross responds to the home fire or other disasters every, min every eight minutes. In Massachusetts, the Red Cross and its partners install more than 31,000 smoke alarms. Again, go to redcross.org to learn more and volunteer. The American Red Cross exists to provide compassionate care to those in need. Its network of generous donors, volunteers, and employees share a mission of preventing and relieving suffering in the United States and around the world through five key service areas, disaster relief, supporting American military families, life-saving blood, health and safety services, and international services. Volunteers constitute 90% of the total Red Cross workforce. On this upcoming National Day of Service, please consider contributing your time given back through the American Red Cross or a multitude of other worthy organizations in your community, like veterans' homes, homeless shelters, and nursing homes. The important thing is to give back. Also, take the time to recharge after a long 2021. The new year can be bright. It's all what you make of it. Stay positive and stay mindful. Concentrating on the present will increase your focus, reduce your stress, and improve your emotional fitness, allowing you to concentrate on yourself, your family, the mission, all the things that really matter. Live life to the fullest and seize this year. Again, Happy New Year. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Questions, where we invite subject matter experts to come in and provide timely information about topics relevant to our airmen's careers, lives, as well as the Wing's mission. This month we have Technical Sergeant Jenna Boulay and Major Nathaniel Horowitz-Willis with us from the 102nd Medical Group Public Health Office. Thanks, for, uh, thanks both of you for coming on to the program and are you ready for five questions? Yes, thank you for having us. Fire them up. All right. <laughs> So question number one, it's a little lengthy, uh, but it pops into my head pretty often. Um, for many during this pandemic, the question of do I have it probably comes up now and then. Maybe I have a scratchy throat or perhaps I couldn't taste my dinner last night. Symptoms that just a couple of years ago we wouldn't have thought much about, um, especially if a symptom wasn't persistent. At what point would you suggest someone get tested to see if they are COVID positive? So we've been suggesting anyone that has really any symptoms, including cold-like symptoms, to get tested. Um, and they can do that right away as soon as they start experiencing the symptoms. So any of the symptoms, you know. Yes. Yeah, what, so what, like, what if something comes and goes, like, really quick? Like, uh, you get scratchy throat, but, you know, an hour later, you're fine. Still, it's good to so, get tested. Okay. Um, rather, you're on the side of caution. Sure. Okay. Great. Um, question number two. If you've tested positive... How do you calculate quarantine and when is it safe to return to work? So the CDC just updated their guidance and now it's um, five full days of quarantine. So that includes, say you develop symptoms, 
uh, the first day that you develop symptoms is actually day zero. So that doesn't count as your first day. Okay. And it's five full days from there and then return to work. Oh. Um, if you still have a fever, which a fever would be over 100.4, you shouldn't return to work. Um, okay. If you still have like a lingering cough, sore throat, you can return to work. Um, but of course, wear your mask. We're required to on base here. And... Um, if you're not feeling well, you're very tired, uh, you can continue the quarantine a little bit longer, but speak to a healthcare professional. Oh, great. Uh, question number three, when should I get my booster shot? And do I have to get the same vaccine that I originally got? And a follow on to that is if I've recently had COVID, do I need to wait to get the booster? Okay. So, um, Say the first question again. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, when, I'm going to do it in part. When should I get my booster shot? and Do I have to get the same vaccine that I originally got? Okay. So if you were originally vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna, you can get um, your booster five months after your last vaccine. Okay. That's what the CDC recommends. If it's Johnson & Johnson that you were first vaccinated with, then it's two months after your last vaccine. Okay. Johnson & Johnson is the single? Yes, the single vaccine. Now, do I have to get, uh, if I had Moderna, do I need to get Moderna again? Or? Nope, you can get whatever vaccine that's available to you. Okay, great. Now, if I recently had COVID, do I need to wait until I get the booster? So if you recently had COVID, you should wait 90 days, so three months okay. until you get the booster. Great. Um, question number four. If a non-vaccinated member just recovered from COVID, do they still need to test once a week? Oh, man, you asked a dicey one right there because <laughs> um, there's so much information, you know, out there that sometimes gets uh, misconstrued. Sure. And so really, um, to be super crystal clear, you know, so... If anyone really, you know, okay, recovering from COVID, and yes, non-vaccinated particularly, um, it, it really depends on the guidelines, you know, of one, if you're, you know, a, a traditional guardsman, um, what is your guideline saying at your workplace? Mm -hmm. um, but that question on need, um, not necessarily so in, in this case, um, if you've just recovered, you know, from COVID. Uh, but if you're traveling or if you're going to a different workplace or any workplace that has these guidelines on, on testing, you should adhere to that testing criteria. Okay, sure, sure. And um, the CDC is constantly updating their their policies and rules, right? So, you know, if you if there is a question, you probably just go right out to the CDC website, I would imagine, and the information would be right there. That is 100% correct. Um, and that, that constant updating, um, you have to stay on top of that. And in this day and age, it's pretty easy to do that. Right. Awesome, awesome. So uh, question number five. If I'm fully vaccinated and I have or haven't had a booster shot, do I need to quarantine if I've come into contact with someone who has tested positive for COVID? Um, you should, first off, just monitor your symptoms. Um, and, you know, with all the questions about contact, uh, what does that mean? Especially now that we know that, you know, the virus is airborne. Uh, you should monitor your symptoms when there is a known person uh, that has tested positive. Um, and you should, you know, obviously, you know, go out and seek out testing as appropriate, uh, you know, when coming in contact with a known positive. So that way you can, without question, rule out, um, you know, having to, you know, worry about, you know, developing COVID-19 uh, or not. But, you know, the short answer is 
monitor um, and, you know, try not to, you know, be around a lot of people. So, you know, before you go into a quarantine, um, for sure. But short answer, yes, monitor, and then pursue course action to potential quarantine. Great, great. Awesome. Well, that's that's five questions. Um, but uh, is there anything either of you would like to add? Anything you want to make sure the Airmen of the Wing are, are aware of? The floor is yours if there's anything you'd like to add. Um, yes, uh, for sure. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone for, you know, working with, you know, the, the public health office, um, because this has been a very trying and hard time and, and pandemic, pandemic fatigue is very real. Um, and we really appreciate everyone working with us so we can remain operational. Um, and everyone's been doing a fantastic job. That's great. That's great. Ditto to HW. <laughs> so, uh, if, if folks have uh, questions on anything related to what we just talked about, um, or the vaccine, or you know, in general, what's the best way to get in touch with with you folks? Uh, they can call the public health office. My extension's four zero three three, or they can send me an email. Okay, and you're in the global yes. Jenna Dot Boulay. Yes. Excellent. No numbers. No numbers. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, thanks again, both of you, for coming in and answering five questions. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks. Several months ago, Public Affairs spent some time with the awesome folks down in the Airmen and Family Readiness team. We asked them each to explain what they do and how they enhance our airmen and their families' quality of life. So the Airmen and Family Readiness team is the best team ever. Uh, <laughs> Come to the Family Readiness like area and it'll light up your day. Just it's no cost to whoever we see and that service members and their families. We're a one-stop shop and if they came here first, they might have saved a lot of time. Please don't hesitate to get a hold of anybody in this office because we're always here. And just talking to you would be wonderful. We've got the financial resources to help with aid when needed. We've got the food resources to help, like the fresh market that comes every two weeks. Um, we work with the VA. We have contact with the USO Military Friends Program. And the Key Spouse Program is another one, which we're really trying to get up and going to help with the family support during deployment and even with our home station mode. During the holidays, we run the uh, Angel Tree Program. We run, this year we did a stuff of us, oh my goodness, we got like 600 toys and then we could donate them out. It was an amazing project. We give gift boxes from Heroes in Transition to give to families that have like money cards for me. It's just everything. It's just so hard to explain because it's just so much there. I just want everybody to know that I'm here to talk. Any need is enough, so please don't hesitate. I can understand anybody who is afraid or is unsure to come in and either just to talk to somebody, um, they want to help with a resume, they want help with schooling, all these things that we can help with and I encourage anybody to reach out, give us a call. That's where I started 13 years ago. When my husband was a basic, I didn't know where to turn, I didn't know where to go. Um, that's what made me want to volunteer, that's what made me want to go further. We offer various trainings and, and workshops covering anything to do with whatever your money touches. 
So uh, that's a wide range, everything from budgeting, uh, how to spend your money, uh, credit card, debit card management, purchasing big items like a house or a car, consumer issues if there's problems and, and you need help there, estate planning and taxes, and, you know, so much more. Uh, we will offer our services virtually or in person. We can do it in office or we can travel and maybe meet you halfway or someplace. So it's, it's an excellent benefit. You know, a benefit that is finally catching on and more and more people are taking advantage of. So the Yellow Ribbon Reintegration Program is there to support deploying family members before, during, and after deployments. We have a lot of resources for communication, financial literacy, as well as how to set up a will or understand your rights and benefits um, after having been deployed. At these events, it's a really great opportunity. You're going to have content custom to that situation you're in. You have one-on-one -on -one time with, say, the VA, um, education benefits, um, nonprofit organizations. It's their passion, and they will say they really want want service members to know that you know they're one appreciated and supported. And it's just magic to see. So there are a lot of really cool opportunities to to try something new. Um, meet new people, and at the end of the day, bond with your family members. <laughs> Seems, you know, you've been separated during the deployment, and a lot of times the, that's, the cycle of deployment is a real thing. We want people to know that it's normal, and here's how we can help you to, you know, have an easier transition or reintegration back. We are here, and our only hope is that everybody knows what we can do and how we can help, and um, make sure they're getting, the, again, the service and the support they need. I assist members that are deployed. Any needs that may come up, I'm also dealing with uh, maybe spouses stateside that may need some help. I also track out-processing, in-processing members back in, give them resources. It's just a mix of things. Like recently, I uh, called a family member um, and she's never received a call before. It was a mom of one of our members that are deployed right now. And she was wondering, who am I? Like, who are you? I don't, I don't know anyone. And I said, well, um, I'm, I'm, I belong to the same base as your son. And um, my name is Giselle, and I just want to see how you're doing. And she was so happy, so happy that someone is actually checking up on her. She's like, this has never happened. And I have kept in touch with her. So um, those are the calls that really really just stay with me, you know, that really make my day. Um, so that's what I'm here for. Whatever support I, I can give, I'm here. I know I've received the help when I've needed it. So being part of them, even my day-to-day -day life, I like, I'm very grateful for being here. We really want to customize our services. So we take a lot of time, we make sure it's individualized, and we're answering the questions that might not be what somebody else wants, it's exactly what you want. So if we talk about employment, it's not just, um, I want a job. Okay, well, what kind of job do you want? Do you want a federal job? Do you want a civilian job? Um, do you know what you want to do? Do you want to do career exploration? Do you have a network built in? 
What's your status? What do you like? What's your background? Uh, what is your interest? How can we marry your interests up to what your goals are? So, you know, we're going to be looking to make sure that we answer all those questions and find something that's really satisfying for you. And we also do, you know, checking your resume when you go there, making sure that you're dressed properly. Are all these things all set so that you are really ready when you do the things that we're helping you with? If a member has an idea how to entangle us in their systems better, the people they know, the people they talk to, say, hey, can we do this kind of thing? Call us, we'll, we'll figure it out. And we have 1,300 amazing people here that have all this uh, creativity and their perspective and their thoughts. And I wanna be able to answer that and have them lead. During COVID, you know, we really, uh, it was uncertain and we had all this, we had our regular work to do and then we had this extra work to do where it was, hey, all these resources are coming out and these people are struggling in ways that they haven't struggled before. How are we going to meet that? How are we going to address that? Get them information, stay relevant, stay consistent. And then we're facing it too, we're people. We really rely on each other, we check on each other. As long as we're here, helping each other and we want to do the best and we have that aligned vision, uh, we're the best team ever. Martin Luther King Jr. was born Michael King Jr. in Atlanta, Georgia on January 15, 1929, the second of three children to Pastor Michael King and Alberta King. In 1934, the church sent King's father on an international trip for the meeting of the Baptist World Alliance. The trip included visits to sites in Germany associated with the church reformation leader, Martin Luther. While there, King Sr. witnessed the rise of Nazism and the racial hostility and oppression it carried with it. Upon his return home in 1934, King Sr. changed both his and his son's name in honor of Martin Luther. At 15, King graduated high school and enrolled in Morehouse College, where he learned the advantages of the ministry in the fight against social injustice. It was then he decided to become a pastor. Just two years later, he was ordained as the assistant pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. King became a prominent leader in the American Civil Rights Movement in 1955 where he served as a spokesperson for the Montgomery Bus Boycott, a campaign by the African-American population of Montgomery, Alabama, to force the integration of the city's buses. In March of that year, Claudette Colvin, a 15-year-old black schoolgirl in Montgomery, refused to give up her bus seat to a white man in violation of Jim Crow laws, local laws in the southern United States that enforced racial segregation. In December, a similar incident occurred when Rosa Parks was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a city bus. The two incidents led to the boycott. King was in his 20s and had just taken up his clerical role. He was asked to take a leadership role simply because his relative newness to the community leadership made it easier for him to speak out. The boycott lasted for 385 days. King was arrested and jailed throughout this period, which drew the attention of the national media and greatly increased his public stature. The controversy ended when the United States District Court 
issued a ruling that prohibited racial segregation on all Montgomery public buses. Blacks resumed riding the buses again and were able to sit in front with full legal authorization. King's role in the boycott transformed him into a national figure and the best-known spokesperson of the civil rights movement. In 1963, King was one of the driving forces behind the March for Jobs and Freedom, which drew over 250,000 people to the National Mall. It was the largest demonstration for human rights in the United States history, and was where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech, a speech that solidified his status as a social change leader and helped inspire the nation to act on civil rights. King was only 35 years old when he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. He called this honor the most significant international endorsement possible of the civil rights struggle. The monetary award that came with the prize was distributed among several major civil rights organizations at his request. His acceptance speech is considered to be among the most powerful statements ever delivered at the event, where he remarked, I believe that an unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumphant. Tragically, a dozen years of King's nonviolent leadership ended abruptly on April 4, 1968, when he was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. The entire nation was shocked by his murder. Some passionate followers rioted in larger cities, while others mourned in silent sadness. President Lyndon Johnson declared the following Sunday, April 7, 1968, as a day of mourning. King was arrested 30 times for his participation in civil rights activities. While he preached about justice, empowerment, love, and peace, in the final months of his life, his attention was turned to fighting poverty. Michigan Congressman John Coiners first introduced legislation for a commemorative holiday four days after King was assassinated. After the bill stalled, petitions endorsing the holiday containing six million names were submitted to Congress. Public pressure for the holiday mounted during the 1982 and 1983 civil rights marches in Washington. Congress passed the holiday legislation in 1983 and it was signed into law by President Ronald Reagan. In 1994, Congress designated the Martin Luther King Jr. federal holiday as a national day of service and charged the Corporation for the National and Community Service with leading the effort. Taking place each year on the third Monday in January, the Martin Luther King Day of Service is the only federal holiday observed as a national day of service, a day on, not a day off. Before we go, here's a bit of a preview of our other podcast, Chevrons. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and hurdles the enlisted force faces. Featured on this episode are Chief Master Sergeant Kevin Myers, ANG Command First Sergeant and Functional Manager, as well as Staff Sergeant Michelle Princey from the 102nd ISR Group. These airmen shared their perspectives on mentorship and what qualities and attributes they look for in their mentors and mentees. 
I was having a lot of challenges, um, specifically when I moved to Pennsylvania, to, to be a productive airman, to come in and add value on drill weekends. And so I, I'll tell you, she and she stood about, you know, five feet, right? If that, maybe four maybe eleven. Um, but man, she held me accountable every drill, right? Um, I couldn't, when I got there, I couldn't even remember my password to log in every drill, right? Every 30 days. That's how um, uh, unaware, incompetent I was and, and what my role and um, responsibilities and how I played a part in, in that air refueling wings mission, right? And so even just her holding me accountable, you know, between drills and every time I showed up, Hey, Kevin, what's your login? Hey, Kevin, here's what I need you to do. Here's what we're going to work on this week. And that literally was the catapult for me changing my thought perspective of I'm not just showing up on drill weekend to, to get a paycheck um, and get my GI bill deposited you know, in my account every every month that I'm, I'm a full time student. But she literally reshaped my thought process simply by holding me accountable every drill that I showed up, that we were going to accomplish something to increase my knowledge, to enhance my skills, uh, to, to make me a better airman than I than I, what I was when I showed up. And then it just grew from there, right? And so now... Thanks for listening to The Seagull. We hope each of you has an outstanding 2022. Take a moment to reach out to a wingman someone you haven't talked to for a while and let them know you still care. Also, call your mother. She misses you. For more news from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil slash links or search for 102iw on any major social media platform.